Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The scripture reading for today is from the gospel according to Mark, chapter 3, beginning with the 20th verse. And the crowd came together again so that they could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him. For people were saying, he has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebul, and by the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. And he called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, he has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother, and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Morning. morning. Jenny, thank you for the reading. Uh, you began at verse 20. What we didn't hear is verse 19. This is very deep, very quick. It says, when he went home, it's been a uh, wonderful homecoming for me the last couple days, getting to come back to Davidson. Not so much for Jesus, but for me. I got to walk over to the Egg yesterday morning. I ran into a sophomore from Davidson College. There's this big crowd around him. And um, uh, there was this huge pit. And there's a crowd around him, and he looked pretty dusted up. And, and uh, the crowd cleared, and I got to him and said, what, what happened? He said, let me tell you. You see, uh, um, I, I, was, I was walking. I was walking to the Egg, and then the, the ground gave out beneath me. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm in this hole, and, and I can't get out. I'm trying. I'm climbing. I can't get out. And I look up and I say, help. And along comes, I think, I think it was a doctor. And, and, and the doctor looked at me and he went, oh, no. And I said, can you help me? And he said, yeah. And, and, he, and, he, and he wrote something on a pad and he threw it down to me and it, and it, was, it was a prescription. 
I said, thanks. He said, you're welcome. And he walked on, and then I was there, and I called for help for a little more, and I think it was a lawyer. A lawyer came by, and he said, oh, no. So we should do something about this. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, here's my card, and he threw it down, and it fluttered down to me, and I grabbed it. And he said, you're welcome. And I said, thanks. He walked on. And then, you know, you know what? Someone came along and looked like you. I think they were a pastor. I said, like me? It wasn't me. But they looked like a pastor. And they looked at me and they said, oh, no. And I said, yeah. And they, they scribbled something on a paper and it fluttered down. I grabbed it. It was, it was a prayer. And I said, thanks. And they said, you're welcome. So I sat there a little longer with these pieces of paper in my hand. Then I, I looked up and there was a shadow and it was, it was, an, it was an older woman. And and she didn't say anything. She just jumped in the pit with me. And I said, I said, what are you, stupid? Now we're both stuck down here. And she said, no. No, I've been here before. I know the way out. The one you meet this morning in Scripture is the one who's jumped in the pit with you. And he knows the way out. This is not babysitter Jesus you meet this morning. This is the one who comes saying good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, let the captives go free. He's the one that people say he's lost his mind. Ooh, he's dangerous. His brothers and sisters and his mom, they want to restrain him. Oh no, this is a dangerous Jesus we meet this morning. You could be having mimosas right now. But you know that won't cure your thirst. You want something more than that. You're thirsty for something transformative because we're all in the pit and we want a way out. Jesus comes to us this morning. He's breaking into this world, binding up the sources of fear and saying, come, follow me. I know a way out. I've fallen in love with this passage. Uh, it was the lectionary last week and I said, David, please hold it. This is something that's been haunting me for a while and I, I love to talk about it. This Jesus, this God in flesh, comes into this world and, 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 and isn't passive, isn't meek or mild. He's breaking and entering so that we might know what it is to be free. I think he shows us how to deal with some of our fear of this age and this story he tells this morning. He comes, he comes do you notice, he comes to these, uh, first to these, these scribes. And they say, well, he's, he's casting out demons by the devil. And Jesus he responds. He doesn't respond with defensiveness or anger or any kind of posture. He just responds with logic. He just says, no. Why would he do that? I found uh, in working with young adults, actually, if you start with logic, it's not, it's not a bad idea. The philosopher Seneca said it this way, we, we suffer in the imagination sometimes more than in reality. If we were just to go, is this fear real? But maybe it's not real at all. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just spiraling. Maybe if I would just stop and breathe and remember that God is no further than my next breath. Maybe, maybe if I just think about this logically for a moment, it, it isn't actually fear. What are, what are the scribes afraid of? 
They're like you and me. People say people fear change. People don't fear change. You know what they, change? they fear? Loss. People fear loss. We've had so much loss this year. We're going to be dealing with this grief for a long time to try to figure out how we make our way out of it. But you don't have to do it alone. Who are your brothers and sisters? They're right here in this room. Those that want to show you through, you don't, you don't have to be trapped by the fear all the time. Or, or what about those of us who fear loss? We, we, we fear, gosh, the scribes, they fear, well, what if the people don't need the temple anymore? We Methodists don't know anything about this. What, what if they don't need us anymore? We get wrapped up in our fear that we don't matter anymore. Or I work with young adults, but this is perhaps pervasive for all society. We live in the most affluent society in the world in history, and we have the highest rates of anxiety and fear that there have ever been. We've thought that our path to freedom was to acquire, and we find out that we're possessed by our possessions, and we're terrified of losing things. It makes me think, I don't know if Jesus was being hyperbolic when he said, sell all you have and give it to the poor. I don't know, maybe he really meant it. Maybe he meant that that's the way you actually end up being free. It's making me take a second look. This is one who breaks into our world and shows us a different way, had a thirst and hunger for something more than what we thought we wanted. Someone who reorders our loves, reorders our souls, and says, go, go on a different journey. He starts with logic. You see, the fear, really, it's just the shadow side of love. Once you start examining your fears, you find out what you really love. Mm. And Jesus says, perhaps we've loved the wrong things if we fear loss more than liberating ourselves and others. It's the one who breaks into our world. Um, I get to uh, work with young adults, as I've said, and uh, this is so much fun. I, I'll often perhaps find them in these spirals, and they'll come to my office, and if they're in this place where they feel like they, they, they can't find their way or they're just projects and not people anymore, they're, they're, they're living out some path that someone else has for them, and they, they haven't found their way, I'll, I'll just say, sit, and I'll just say, you see that red book on my shelf? Grab it. And they'll grab it, and they'll go, a United Methodist hymnal. And I go, yeah, open it up. And they'll say, I'm Baptist. And I say, I don't care. Open it up. I say, turn to page 459. And they go, what? And they open it up and they, and they look at it. And they go, oh, gracious God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change. Courage to change the things that I can. And the wisdom to know the one from the other. And almost four times out of five, the next thing will happen. They'll sit in silence for just a moment, and they'll say, can I take a picture of that? Yeah. You can take a picture of that. It moves us out of our fear of loss, of a future we might have thought for ourselves into something more real. They seem to be handed back to themselves. They, they, they seem in some way in those moments to be a God who's broken into their little world and has returned them to themselves. I think this is what God is up to all the time, trying to return you to yourself, break into your world, free you of your fear so that you might live a liberated life, one that looks more like the one who came into the pit with you and drew you out. Jesus then tells this really interesting story. I love this story. He talks about 
the strong man who's been bound. He says, I've come in here to, to, to bind this strong man so that I might plunder his house. This is Jesus who's breaking and entering into a home so he might steal property. It's great. Never really heard about that one in Sunday school. It's a really good image. But it makes you want to think, though, if, why, why is he breaking in? It means that there's some people living in a house underneath a strong man. And this ain't a healthy kind of strong man, is it? It seems to me there's probably two ways that you might survive in the house of a strong man. By stealth or by strength itself. My heart goes out to so many students I, I, I watch who, who, who simply try to be stealthy about life. They, they, they try to fly under the radar, you know. Just, I don't, I don't want anybody to see me. I don't want any questions. I, I just want to get through here. Last summer I read um, Where the Crawdads Sing. Have you read this? Yeah, it's like one of Oprah's books you got to read or something like that. And uh, it, it's amazing. And it's a story of a little girl named Kaya who grows up in a house of a strong man, a drunk strong man. And all her family's left her. And, uh, but before her last brother leaves, he gives her this advice. He says, I've, I've, I've showed you how to survive, Kaya. You cover your tracks. You hide in the glades. You stay out of his way. And she does that. And she says it this way. I learned to move from sunspots to the shadows. How many of us have learned to move from the sunspots to the shadows? Just to be stealthy. Survive. The New York Times bestseller right now is How the Word is Passed by Clint Smith. He's a graduate of Davidson College. Um, he's a former Davidson soccer player like myself. Uh, and we're, I'm so proud of him. And it's a book about how we as America have not, um, we have not delved deeply enough into the ramifications of what slavery did to this country. And it's what it done to our own souls and us as a people. How we've forgotten we belong to one another. And he, at the end of the book, it's incredible, he interviews his grandmother and his grandfather. His grandfather's grandfather was a slave, and he didn't even know that until he asked the question. It was like you just didn't talk about it. And he talks to his grandfather, and his grandfather talks about the way he's had to move through the world. Don't get seen. Don't be seen as suspect, because the ramifications are too dire. I wonder if, if there were like a, a people, hear me out here, if there were a people, you know, who, uh, uh, this is great, if there were people who gathered together on like a Sunday who, who, who you know, who like confessed stuff, who, who learned how to say, God, we have not loved you with our whole hearts, God, we have not loved our neighbor as ourselves, like what, what if there were a people like that? And they didn't just do once a week, like they did it on Sunday so that they got practice at it, so that, man, those people would be value to a larger group of people. Those people might actually help other people learn how to live with one another. There's people who actually are committed to the practice of truth-telling and peace within themselves so they can have peace with others. Woo! It's hard, but ooh, it's good. It's the one who jumps in the pit with us and shows us the way out, how to live whole, how to live well, how to live alongside one another and not at one another so that no one has to jump from sunspots to shadows anymore. You know, if, you, uh, if stealth isn't your way through the world, the other way is, is strength. It's to be strong. Nine times out of ten, when I pray with students, I'll say, what, what can we pray for? And you know what they want to pray for? Strength. And this is good. 
I think it's a good thing. We want all of us to be strong people, resilient people, people who have our spine straight, right? Know how to live well and live on our own. I always wonder if that becomes the end in itself. If it is, you've got to ask the question, strong toward what ends? Resilient toward what ends? There's a quote from Dr. King that haunts me. He says, we live in a time of guided missiles and misguided men. What is it good to get really strong at science and not have it serve some bigger, better end? What will your strength serve? When I pray with students now, I've stolen a practice from a buddy of mine who's a chaplain at Presbyterian Hospital in New York City, and he does this. I love it. He'll pray with people in really terrible situations, and he's had that this past year. And he'll pray with people, and he'll say, what do you want to pray for? And what do they want to pray for? Strength. Wellness. Health. And he'll say, we'll pray for that. But if not that, what? And sometimes it's a furrowed brow. And there's sometimes is I need to be alone right now. But he says more often than not, they'll go further than strength. They'll go further than wellness. They'll say things like, I hope she knows how much I love her. I hope he knows how much I gave of myself and how much he gave to me. There's a prayer that goes further than strength. There's a strength that goes further than strength. And it always looks something more like the one who's jumped in the pit with us and has guided us out. Something that looks like grace. Something that shows us a better way. The end of this story is perhaps my favorite of all perhaps my favorite part, and I don't know how I've missed it for so many years. It's Jesus, he's, he's, he's jumped in the pit. He's breaking and entering. Why? To plunder the strong man's house. Plunder. Treasure. You know what the plunder is? It's you. He's here for you. God's love does not seek value. God's love provides it. You're plundering, you don't know it. You're treasuring, you don't know it. You don't have to be stealthy through the world anymore because you think you're less than or not valued. Nor do you have to go through the world trying to earn your value all the time. You're loved and you don't know it. You're treasured and you don't know it. the beginning of faith, as someone once said, it's, can you accept that you're already accepted? It's not the end of things, but it's the beginning of things. It takes you on the goodness journey. It takes you out of the pit. Your treasure already. This is not an entitlement thing. This is a good news thing. There's this guy named Yvonne. Yvonne, he's like many of us. He, he, learned, how to, he learned how to climb the ladder well. Uh, and Yvonne, he was, um, he, he was agreeable. He was down the middle. Um, uh, he knew how to anticipate conflict and get beyond it. And, man, uh, Yvonne knew how to climb that ladder. He climbed it well. And Yvonne, uh, he, knew, he learned how to, how to marry well. Like, not so much for love, but for that good partnership, you know. 
how to raise his stock and his kids' futures. And Yvonne, like one day, he's, 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 he's climbing that ladder of success, and, uh, and, and, he, and he's got the partner, and it's, it's fine. It's good. From the outside looking in, it's, it's, it's what anybody would want. The one he's actually climbing a literal ladder. This is great. He's climbing a literal ladder in his house, this lovely home he's created, and he's changing the drapes. And, and, uh, and, but, he, but he loses his, his, his balance, and he falls off, and he, and, he, and he hits his side. This guy who had learned how to become stealthy and strong at once, he, he falls. He falls hard. And it hurts, and it hurts so much it gets worse and worse. And One day he can't get out of bed, and the pain is so much, and like, his family doesn't want to be around him. No one wants to tell him the truth. Even the doctors want to tell him the truth, and no one can help him. He, he, this, this is not going to be a good end for him. And Yvonne, he, he, his, his, his confusion turns to anger, and, it's, and it's, this is an injustice. This should not be the way one goes. I, I've lived a, a proper life, a good life. I've navigated everything well. I've, I've, I've thought how to do this well. I've been, I've been circumspect. I've been careful. I've been agreeable. Somewhere in his anger, something breaks in. Something, is it a voice? Is it him? Is, is he delusional? Is it, is it God? The voice says, Yvonne, what do you want? And Yvonne shouts, to live! The voice with a single question asks, how? And he says, well, as I always have. There's no more questions. But day in, day out, the voice comes back and asks the same questions. Yvonne, what do you want? To live. How? So one day he begins to think that maybe he has not known what it means to live well. And so today he's taking his last breaths, his hands fall down, and they land on his son, Sasha's head. And he looks on in a weird combination of pity and compassion on Sasha because the only model of living well that Sasha ever had was him compassion that Sasha might actually learn what it is to live well. When Jesus goes to the cross for us, he looks on us and says, Oh Lord, they know not what they do. They haven't known how to live because they haven't known who they are. They're God's plunder. They're They're treasure and they've just forgotten it. Amen.